Welcome to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette, with your host Steve Garrett, MC and DJ at one of the largest Corvette weekends in the country, Corvette Fun Fest, president of the Corvette Club of Kansas City, Missouri, and radio disc jockey at the number one radio station in Kansas City for over 40 years. Here's Steve Garrett. Thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. Brought to you by MidAmerica Motorworks. Car show season is here. Get your Corvette ready by shopping over 60,000 Corvette-specific parts and accessories at mamotorworks.com. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. I appreciate you tuning in. You can listen to Corvette Today on all podcast platforms. You can also listen on your smart device. Just say Alexa or Hey Google. Play the podcast called Corvette Today and you're connected. Also, visit the Corvette Today website. It's corvettetodaypodcast.com. And while you're there, make sure you visit the Corvette Today merchandise store. You can also sign up for Corvette Today emails, notifications, and updates at corvettetoday.ck.page. And don't forget, join the Corvette Today Facebook group. We have over 3,400 members, and I'd love to have you as a member as well. I'm also excited to tell you about the YouTube channel for Corvette Today. Be see your favorite Corvette Today podcasts now on YouTube. First, I'd like to thank our flagship sponsors of Corvette Today, Aerolari Wheels, a true forged wheel with over 20 unique design styles to choose from for your C8 and wide-body versions of the C7, C6, and C5 Corvette. It's an absurd value starting at only $19.88 for a set of four fully forged wheels. And now use the new promo code CT111, that's CT111, and get $100 off your purchase. Visit aerolari.com, that's A-E-R-O-L-A-R-R-I.com, with the new promo code CT111 for your $100 discount. Also, midenginecorvetteforum.com, the forum that focuses on the new mid-engine C8 Corvette. Meet a lot of fellow Corvette enthusiasts like yourself at midenginecorvetteforum.com. Also, a shout-out to canadiancorvetteforum.com, welcoming Corvette owners from around the world. In this episode of Corvette Today, we're going to take a deep dive into the new LT6 engine for the C8 Z06. And who better to talk about the engine than the guys who built and designed it? It's my pleasure to welcome to the show Jordan Lee, the Global Chief Engineer for Small Block Engines at GM, and Dustin Gardner, the Assistant Chief Engineer for Small Block Engines at General Motors. Guys, welcome to Corvette Today. Thanks, Steve. We really appreciate your interest. Dustin and I are really excited to talk to you today about an engine that we're really thrilled with. It's an engine we've been working on intently for about seven years now, and it is by far the most complex engine we've ever designed and put into a car. It makes incredible power to work. It's really exciting and thrilling to drive. Dustin and I have driven them uh, countless times over the years already. It's just a thrill. The LT6, I'm really glad you're very interested and want to talk more about the LT6. Absolutely. Dustin, I think you see this morning. Yeah, same thing there, Jordan. And it's, it's really exciting for us to be able to have these conversations now after working on it, as you said, Jordan, for seven plus years. There's a lot of pent up pride and excitement that we have. So it's fun to be able to share the nitty gritty and all the details now that everything is public. Absolutely, guys. Well, let's start out. You engineers were inspired by the Gemini project from NASA in the 60s. I love that correlation with the 54 rockets on the engine. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so it's it's kind of one of those stories that kind of evolved into itself, right? It wasn't a plan to do it that way. When we start engines, especially new Corvette engines, we usually give them some kind of code name so we can talk about them a little freer. And if anything ever does get out, people don't know what Gemini is. But that name was picked because of that tie-in to NASA astronauts' love of Corvettes. We kind of nicknamed the engine our you know kind of our moonshot engine. 
And then also with Gemini, the twins side of that really resonates across this engine. Twin throttle bodies, twin plenums with the flat plane crank layout. It's really the way the engine's architected as two four cylinders, the way it's balanced. Twin valve springs. There's a lot of nuances to twins around it. That name stuck with the engineers really well. We still call it a Gemini small block. You know, in getting our production tools and everything online, everybody wanted to have that be a legacy for the engine, something that would be there forever. And that's when we started, you know, putting these little rockets around the engine. Some big ones on the outside and cast features, and most of them are actually inside of the engine. Anywhere where we needed a directional arrow to help with assembly, we used a rocket instead of an arrow. So some of them are functional in nature, which is kind of fun as well. But it'll be the test of time. It'll be there. When people are looking at these cars, you know, 20, 30 years from now, the Gemini story will still be there because it's going to be on the engines. Like little Easter eggs. Dustin and I, we probably should explain to you, our team, the small block team, we're really uh, into engines. We're gearheads all the way. All love Corvette and small block engines and engines in general. And these things are our babies, and we like to give them names. And the Gemini was something that we searched for for a while to come up with something that was really fitting. And knowing the, the past lineage of astronauts with Corvette in the late 60s and 70s when they drove Corvettes, it just seemed like it was very fitting as we came up with this new LT6 engine, which like Dustin mentioned, was a moonshot for us. Well, guys, growing up as a baby boomer in the 60s and 70s, it's a great correlation because I loved the Gemini and Apollo projects. So this really rings true with me. It's a great, great correlation. Now, let's talk about more about the engine. The engine development, just like the C7, was done with the race team and the engineers. What are the similarities between the C8R and the Z06? Well, we can tell you the similarities between the LT6R and the LT6. We're probably not the best people to ask about the car itself, so we'll have to defer that. But Steve, are you more interested in the engine details? Absolutely, guys. Go ahead. So Dustin, if you know this a little better than I do, run down to the actual hardware that is the same. Yeah, so the development of the LT6 and LT6R were kind of done in parallel. We jumped off at a similar point. We call it our beta phase. It's kind of a middle prototype stage of the engine development. And at that point in time is where the two diverged but they started from the same place. And then they only diverged for reasons specific either to a production car or to the race car in their rule set. So if you look at the engine at a high level, the block structure, the cylinder head layout, the valve train, the fuel system, the exhaust are very similar. And some of those parts are actually common down to the part number between the two. Where the race engine is really different from the production engine in the one group that I talked about is just in the vehicle layout. Their center line of cranks, it's lower in their car, which drove some design changes to the bottom of the engine that were done more for packaging reasons than functional reasons. They had to relocate their oil cooler because ours is underneath the engine. They had to move it up over to the side of the engine and then other things like that. They work under a different set of rules than we do. In the current division they race in, right, they're not allowed to have cam phasers on their engine. So the things like that are removed and optimized around a non-cam phased engine. The other thing is they have to breathe through an inlet restriction. I'll get the number wrong if I quote it, but it's on the order of 40, 45 millimeters diameter that they have to breathe through on their abduction side. So their intake system is definitely tailored to maximize what they can do there. Then the reality is based on that inlet restriction that they run, they don't run as high of an engine speed or make as much power as we do. But the funny thing, those guys continue to remind me if we took the restrictor off they could make more power <laughs> but yeah it's the engines are very similar as i said we just diverged because production engines have a different goal than the race team does on their design uh, 
industrial development, there's a lot of instances where they were doing their development while we were doing ours, obviously. But the parts that are common, we helped each other out a few times. They, they had a big event where they needed to get another engine together and they were short a fuel system. So we lent them one of our fuel systems because they're plug and play compatible between the two engines and, and things like that. And all through development, we, we sit in the same building where they run these engines. If they, if they have a durability test that they've torn down or they get an engine back from a race because they were racing before we were in production, we would go visit their teardowns. And anything we learned on our side or on their side was cross-shared real time all throughout development. So the reality is, is we got a lot of road time because of the race car early on a lot of the shared systems between the two engines. That's great. Guys, let's delve into horsepower and torque. This is the highest horsepower naturally aspirated V8 engine ever built by anyone. The engine really wakes up also. I know I've heard it at 3000 RPM. Plus, it's the highest revving engine ever built by General Motors at 8600 RPMs. Give us a little bit more of background about that. Some of the real basic specs. Well, I'll start, and I'll talk a little bit philosophically first. All of the engines we've used in Corvette for a long time now have been great high-powered engines that are suitable for the purpose they're intended for. Front engine cars are very limited in the size in the engine compartment for an engine, and that's one of the reasons why small block has been such a great powerhouse because it's power dense. And it's important that the driver be able to see over the hood And if we have too big of an engine, it detracts from the driver's usability of the car. It raises the center of gravity. It's just a bad thing. Well, along comes the mid-engine C8, and the engine's not behind the driver, and the engine compartment's quite a bit larger. So it gave us as engine engineers a lot more free ability to design an engine that maximized and optimized power, as well as some of the operating characteristics, including the things that the driver senses, like what he hears, what he feels, and of course the sound and all the senses that are tantalized when you drive a high-performance engine. So that drove us to a different architecture, the double over cam, which I know was one of your questions, as well as the rev range. Uh, getting an engine spin to 8600 is important for a few things, not only how it canalizes the driver's sensations, but also to make as much power as we do for a naturally aspirated engine. So there were a lot of key characteristics that we wanted the Z06 to exhibit, namely be just a thrill and exhilarating to drive. It kind of drove the architecture into what it is, the double over cam, flat plane crank, and 8600 RPM potential. Dustin, maybe add some tidbits there from your perspective. Yeah, and kind of along those same lines, Jordan. So the LT6, I don't want to say this, we knew what it needed to be. And then what was the recipe to get there, right? So we're replacing a LT4 Z06 from the previous generation that was making 650 horsepower. And knowing that we wanted to get back to the naturally aspirated roots of the Z06, you know, the true, pure, track-oriented sort of car and the engine that goes with that, the best is a naturally aspirated V8. But we didn't want to take a step backwards in horsepower. So which pushed us to do exactly what you said, Steve, we had to break the records for the highest output naturally aspirated V8 in a production car ever in order to do that. And then it was the vehicle packaging that Jordan mentioned that enabled a configuration to get us there, that being what the LT6 is today. Now, the LT6 is a two-piece engine block as well. Is this a new concept, guys? It's not really a new concept, and actually it's not even new to GM. We did a lower crankcase engine long ago, if you remember the North Star V8. That was an aluminum block. It had an upper and a lower. 
We tend to optimize the design based on the needs. And for this particular engine, we wanted to make sure we had a very robust loop system and a dry sump loop system at that. And by separating all the bays and scavenging each bay individually with its own scavenge pump, it gave the car tremendous capability on the track. If the loop system falters, the engine's going to fail. And on racetrack conditions with all the high G loading, it puts a lot of stress on the loop system. We were able to do a fine job with the previous engines, with the pushrod engines that didn't have sealed bays. But for this particular engine, the LT6, we went above and beyond and sealed the bays and that drove a lower crankcase construction that was necessary. Very nice. Also, guys, talk about how the parts were made because I know it's done with precision sand cast. Isn't that correct? Yeah, correct. The, the blocks are and the LCC are precision sand cast components out of a 319 aluminum alloy. The, the other interesting thing is the block is the enabler for the loop system, as Jordan described. And integrated in the block are all these scavenge passages, and we call them cores when you kind of build the core box before the aluminum is poured into it. And given the complexity of it is, is the upper block has 22 separate core pieces, and the LCC has 25. So you have, almost have 47 different precision sand cast pieces that get assembled together to pour one cylinder block. Very cool. Also, guys, let's talk about the differences, the basic differences between the LT6 Z06 engine and the LT2 engine in the C8 Stingray. Well, both Dustin and I will add in here, they're completely different. They are unique animals all unto themselves, but they do share a common DNA factor, the bore centers. That's the spacing between cylinder bores. It's 4.4 inches, which has become kind of an interesting folklore historic DNA of a small block engine. So the LT6 carries that forward. But there are no parts that are similar. They're very unique and very different. And they're unique and different because of the application and the requirements needed for power and torque and the other things that we mentioned earlier. Dustin, maybe you can add some more detail there also. Is there any common parts at all? There's a couple common parts, but I wouldn't say they're common to make the engines common, right? I think the crank seals are common, and then the throttle body is a common throttle body. However, we have two of them versus one. The second Jordan's comments, right, we weren't designing the LT6 to be modular in any way with the current LT2. The mission of the Z06 LT6 engine was so different that it drove a complete departure from what we would do, you know, in the footprint of an LT2 Gen 5 small block. You know, it's interesting uh, when you look at the differences between the Gen 4 and the Gen 5, so LS3 to LT1. There weren't any common parts either. I think, if I remember correctly, the starter bolts, the bolts that held the starter in place, and the piston ring circlips were the only common parts between the engines. Wow. Architecturally, they're very similar, both pushrod designs. Uh, Every time we do a new generation, it generates typically all new parts. The LT6 architecturally is different, so visually it's very easy to see, wow, that's, that's a very different engine. For sure. Guys, let's take our first break, and when we come back in segment number two, we're going to talk more about the Z06 LT6 engine. I've got Jordan Lee, the global chief engineer for small block engines at GM, and also Dustin Gardner, the assistant chief engineer of small block engines, here on Corvette Today. The Radiator Grill Store offers protection for your C8's front radiators and side intakes. They also carry front strut tower covers to prevent rusting and pooling water, all with do-it-yourself installation. Get 10% off your total purchase with promo code CT10. See the full line of products at RadiatorGrillStore.com. 
MidAmerica Motorworks has been the industry leader and aftermarket supplier and manufacturer of Corvette replacement parts and accessories since 1974. We have what you need for all years and generations of Corvette. Whether you need a door panel or a seat cover for your C1 Corvette or the latest shirt, jacket, hat, or lifestyle accessory to complement your new C8, you can get it at MidAmerica Motorworks. So if you're restoring, repairing, replacing, or simply researching your Corvette, MidAmerica Motorworks is the place to go. Visit our website at mamotorworks.com and shop Corvettes by generation or specific year. Or call us Monday through Saturday, toll-free at 800-500-1500 and talk to one of our Corvette experts to help you get the right part or accessory. Pursue your passion with MidAmerica Motorworks. VetFinders.com is the Internet's original Corvette classified ads website with classified ads starting at just $25. And every ad runs until your Corvette is sold. If you're in the market for a Corvette, VetFinders.com has over 500 Corvettes for sale from all around the USA and Canada and covering all eight generations. Visit VetFinders.com, the Internet's destination for buying and selling Corvettes. That's V-E-T-T-E Finders.com. This is the Corvette Today podcast with Steve Garrett. Hey, thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. Brought to you by MidAmerica Motorworks. Car show season is here. Get your Corvette ready by shopping over 60,000 Corvette-specific parts and accessories at mamotorworks.com. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. With me today are Jordan Lee, the global chief engineer of small block engines, General Motors, and Dustin Gardner, the assistant chief engineer for small block engines. In this second segment, we're going to still take our deep dive into the Z06 engine for the LT6. Guys, with the flat plane crank engine, how does that affect the dry sump? Well, I don't think it does, actually, Steve. Uh, the dry sump would work equally as well if it was a cross-plane crank or a flat-plane crank. The mysteries behind the flat-plane, what's uh, been talked about a lot, uh, really has to do with volumetric efficiency and making sure that the engine breathes air as well as possible. An engine is effectively an air pump, and the better it, it pumps air, the more power it's going to make so flat plane, not only it gives you that unique audible characteristic, which is different sounding to the ear, more Ferrari-like, even though LT6 is uniquely Corvette with its own deep bass flat plane crank type of a sound. The flat plane allows us to do better job of tuning the intake and the exhaust so that we fill the cylinders more efficiently at high RPM to make more power. That's the primary reason why it was chosen. It didn't have anything to do with the dry sump. Also, guys, obviously one of the biggest differences is this flat plane crank. Talk about the differences between the flat plane crankshaft and a normal crankshaft along with its benefits. So, Steve, the big difference there is obviously it's flat plane versus cross plane when you say a conventional, which is what we're used to in Corvettes or like the LT2 is in the base Stingray. So when you shift the pins from being at every 90 degrees to just in two planes at 180 degrees apart, you need much less counterweighting. So what that enables is a lighter crankshaft. The LT6's crankshaft is about 33% lighter than an LT2's. So what that then enables you is to get some more of the character we're looking for out of this engine. So when you make the parts that are rotating the fastest, that you need to accelerate the fastest lighter, the engine wants to respond much quicker in the rev range. And on a, a neutral rev or even a first gear run up on this engine, you can feel the lightness that's in the crank train on this engine from the flat plane crank V8. It, it wants to accelerate in speed with a ferociousness that I have not experienced before, which is really part of the character and the excitement around 
around the engine. Then, as Jordan said, the other side of the crank is it doesn't enable the speed. What it enables is the balancing of the airflow in the engine, which is really where the heart of this is and why it makes the power it does. Yeah, so Steve, let's talk a little bit about what Dustin mentioned. You know, there's been a lot of talk about cross-plane and flat-plane and advantages and disadvantages. It can become very cloudy because if you did a purpose-built cross-plane crank with the same bore stroke, rotating, reciprocating mass, the crank shafts may be more similar in weight than you would think. A lot of the rev-happy nature of this particular engine is the result of not only the low reciprocating and rotating masses, but the short stroke of the crankshaft as well. Some of the bigger displacement engines, small block LT1, LT4, LT2, with a 92 millimeter stroke, is a significantly longer stroke than uh, what we have in the 80 millimeters for the LT6. Short stroke engines rev very quickly, and it's a unique characteristic, and the flat plane crank just tends to complement that. But for your listeners, the main benefit by far is the improvement in volumetric efficiency that a flat plane crank gives you, and that's why we chose it. That makes sense. That's great. Guys, talk about the pistons in the LT6 engine versus previous Corvette engines, because I know there's a lot of difference in there. I'll talk a little bit about the visual aspect, and then Dustin can talk about more of the engineering. The piston and the rods, they're simply beautiful. I think they ought to be delivered to the engine build line and velvet line boxes. <laughs> uh, they're so pretty. I have one on my desk now, and I have some connecting rods, and they're just beautiful to look at and to hold. The rod's titanium. It has the most elegant machined cap bolts for the rod cap. The piston made by CP Carrillo, the rod's by Pankel. For those in the know, that's those suppliers, they're one and the same. The one's the parent company, Pankel. They make engine components for Formula One engines and a lot of other exotics. So they're really great at their craft and the hardware are jewel-like. So that's maybe you can talk a little about some of the design decisions. Yes, to start with the rod, obviously everything in this engine that's moving is about weight, as light as possible. And the connecting rod is definitely a big part of that being one of the parts in the engine that's moving the fastest. Obviously, something you have to balance with a flat plane engine of this size is the shaking forces from the fact that your firing order is balanced bank to bank. The pistons are really where that energy is coming from in the reciprocating part of the engine. So getting the rods lighter, it goes a long way in managing the vibrations, which is why we did go as light as we did with these titanium rods. And in fact, they're even 20% lighter than the previous tie rod we did in the LS7. So we're lighter than our older tie rods, not to mention we're over 40% lighter than if you compare it back to like an LT4 rod. And second, Jordan's comments that they look like jewelry when you look at the raw part. And kind of the same thing with the piston, right? It's a very high-strength forged piston that we start with. It's got a very low skirt on it, once again, to enable low-mass, high-speed operation that this engine enables. That's so cool. That is really nice. Also, you brought back the dual overhead cam. Talk a little bit about that and the push rods. All right, so I'll start with the easy part. There are no push rods in the LT6. Push rod architecture is the different small blocks that we have in, in the LT2, for example. But some of the things I mentioned earlier, a lot of it has to do with the amount of space and the size requirements for the engine. And in the C7, the front engine car, we wanted to make sure that the engine was as low in profile as possible for driver visibility and also to keep the engine low to the ground for low center of gravity. 
And push rods are great for that. It gives you an, an engine architecture that is extremely compact and small in the dimensions, but makes a ton of power and a ton of torque. But two valves do have its limitations. Ideally, you want to get as much air in the cylinder as possible to make power. And four valves is always going to be better than two valves. You're just going to get more airflow area across the valves and be able to make more power as a result than naturally aspirated engines. And that led the way to the double overhead cam, which is a much more effective design for a four-valve. You'd never do a, a four-valve push rod, especially for a high-speed engine. It just doesn't work well. So, Dustin, maybe if you wouldn't mind, talk a little bit about what drove the design choices in the LT6, not only the double overhead cam, but also the component that we use. Yeah, so the second Jordan's comments there, it's at the end of the day, I'll say this again and again with this engine, it's all about breathing, airflow, the uh, volumetric efficiency of getting the air into the engine, and the valve train is a big part of that. So it needs to support both the high airflow, which we get from the four-valve configuration versus a two. It also needs to enable the high engine speed. The valve train on this engine is very unique and very race car inspired. Um, we have dual valve springs per valve, an inner and an outer, to enable the high engine speed. Also, it's a direct acting mechanical valve train with a mechanical finger follower. So there's no hydraulic components to the valve train. So it's a very rigid, lightweight valve train, which goes back to all the other kind of points we've commented on of light and responsive. Like ice cream, there are a lot of different flavors and not one flavor is better than another. The small block Gen 5s are remarkable engines in their own right and accomplish their tasks better than no other, we think. And likewise, the small block Gemini is unique, and it accomplishes its task also equally as well, but it's just a different task. Guys, did this new engine create any issues with oil or oil coolers? Well, in two words, heck yeah. <laughs> you make a lot of power, you make a lot of heat, and it's tough to cool it. So, Dustin, I know you work these details excruciatingly well over the last few years, so maybe give some tidbits. Yeah, and I wouldn't say it created issues, but it definitely was a design challenge from the beginning. We, we knew this engine's capability, both from power and speed, um, the heat rejection requirements were going to be significant. The other thing to support an engine of this nature is you really want to make sure your oil is consistently cool, even on the hottest track days. So it was done in unison with the vehicle team to enable that to happen. As you guys have seen, they added additional radiators for the Z06 as compared to the base Stingray. Right. And on this engine, we have a dedicated secondary radiator just for the engine oil. So when the coolant comes back from the front of the car after getting cooled through the main vehicle radiators in the front, a portion of that coolant is diverted to another step-down radiator, which cools the coolant even more. Then all of that coolant is then directly dedicated to the engine oil cooler. In its own right, is just massive. This is the biggest plate heat exchanger oil cooler we've ever done on an engine. So everything from the beginning was basically to overcapacitize the oil cooling side of the circuit so we would always have cool oil on the track and it would never be a concern. So That's it's awesome. probably worth mentioning um, that we work really closely with the vehicle folks. They were an extended team of us. We were an extended team of them. The Z06 has got to be a track-capable monster. So it ought to be able to run around the track, making 670 horsepower and even the hottest climb as well as we possibly can make it, make that happen. And a big part of that is keeping the engine cool, the oil cool and the coolant cool. Right. So just on the oil cooler, also with the radiator, there's a lot of work that went on to make sure that the engine temperature stayed in check, even under the hottest racing conditions and hot ambient conditions. Also, we're using a new oil for this engine too, guys. What are we using for this? 
Yeah, this is a new Dexos R-rated oil. We actually worked with ExxonMobil to develop for this application. It's a 5W50. Wow. ExxonMobil great oils, great products. We use the 040 ESP in our other engines. Really good properties. It's worked out really well for us. Very cool. Also, the intake manifold on the LT6 is a work of art. It's absolutely incredible. Give us an overview of that and the dual throttle bodies. Yeah, so back to the broken record you heard me sing again. It's This engine, it's all about breathing, right? And the intake manifold is the enabler for that. It's divided up, as you've seen, into two plenums for each side of the engine. Each side has its own 87-millimeter throttle body, so twice as much throttle area as we would have on an LT2. And then within each of the plenums on each side, there are individual trumpets. You can call them velocity stacks if, you know, we're going to go way back in the day. Right. Uh, but that's exactly how they work. And it's all about tuning the air at high speed. And then joining the two intake manifolds, we have three other tuning valves. They call them communicator valves. Once again, it goes back to that tuning. So when you tune something, and Jordan's probably going to dive into that with the Hemholtz, it's a narrow frequency it's which a system will tune at. So that meaning being a narrow RPM band. But what the tuning valves in the middle allows us to do is to change the volume and the way the pressure waves act on each other in the intake as a function of engine speed. And effectively, we can broaden out the range at which the intake manifold wants to tune up and achieve volumetric efficiencies greater than one. So if you think about that at speed, you getting more air into the cylinder than is currently at atmospheric pressure. Kind of want to call it boost, even though it's not, but it's just through the tuning of that is where all the magic is. The engine is 5.5 liters, so in an ideal sense, each cycle, it'll ingest 5.5 liters of air. With this very creative intake manifold and tuning and attention to detail, we've achieved 110% volumetric efficiency, which means the engine actually ingests six liters of air for every cycle instead of just 5.5. So effectively, we're mildly supercharging it a bit with the intake tuning. That's why the intake is so remarkable in the way it does what it does. It really is. I've seen the cutaway version at the Peterson Automotive Museum and the trumpets, the velocity stacks, plus the two plenums that are, it was so cool. It was just great to see. I'm not an engineering type, but I love all the technicality and the details of it. Well, guys, let's take our final break. And in segment number three, we'll finish up on the Z06 engine, the LT6. I've got Jordan Lee, the global chief engineer of small block engines, and Dustin Gardner, the assistant chief engineer for small block engines with General Motors here on Corvette Today. Are you ready for a better insurance policy without the Corvette tax? With agreed value protection, the value of your collector vehicle will never change. Plus, you'll save money. Get a quick quote at ncminsurance.com. Stretch the life of your Corvette's paint with Nova Stretch Performance Protective Covers. Nova Stretch Covers provide superior protection for your C5 through C8 Corvette utilizing stretch fabric technology and an innovative fastening system for quick installation and easy removal and storage. Made in the USA for a tailored fit, the patented design and breathable mesh protects your Corvette without rubbing or chafing the paint like traditional bras. And unlike clear film solutions, Nova Stretch provides full front-end coverage including the grill, keeping radiators and heat exchangers clean without creating airflow issues. Visit novastretch.com and use the code CORVETTETODAY15 to get 15% off your order. Protect your Corvette with Nova Stretch. 
Hey, honey, are you awake? Mm, I am now. I can't sleep. Since turning 50, I keep dreaming of a red door and a blue door, somehow knowing there are only choices for retirement. Okay. Through the red door, we outlive our money. We have to rely on our kids. We're stuck on a fixed income. It's terrifying. Yeah, that would suck. But through the blue door, our money outlives us. We retire on our terms. Our kids stay our kids, not our caretakers. We make work optional. Yes, that's much better. That's what I want too. But what do we do? We call True Wealth and Company at 913-653-8783. They specialize in helping successful people make work optional. They're our fiduciary Blue Door personal wealth managers. Hey, where are you going? It's 3 a.m. I can't sleep. I'm going to check out True Wealth and Company online at retirewithtrue.com. That Blue Door is going to be our retirement. 913-653-8783. Visit us online at retirewithtrue.com. Investment advice offered through True Wealth and Company, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Kansas. American Hydrocarbon is your one-stop shop for custom interior, exterior, and engine bay items for your C4 through C8 Corvette. We can help you create a custom look for your Corvette with carbon fiber or 10 different color patterns and styles. Whether it's a custom-made engine cover for your new C8 mid-engine Corvette or custom-made C4 interior upgrades, American Hydrocarbon can help you transform your Corvette into a best-in-class show car. And now we're proud to announce that we can produce and distribute officially licensed GM products for the C8 Corvette. That includes the front splitter, side skirts, engine appearance panels, and engine fluid caps. Plus, we now also carry the C8 Speedline side skirts along with the engine appearance package and high wing. Our products have been featured in Vet and Corvette magazines. Give us a call, 813-476-5638. Visit our updated website at AmericanHydrocarbon.com or email us at pat at AmericanHydrocarbon.com. Let us help you make your Corvette the car you've always wanted it to be. American Hydrocarbon. And now, back to Corvette Today with your host and my husband, Steve Garrett. Hey, thanks once again for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. Brought to you by Mid-America Motorworks. Car show season is here. Get your Corvette ready by shopping over 60,000 Corvette-specific parts and accessories at mamotorworks.com. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. With me today, this is a great podcast, guys. I've got Jordan Lee, the Global Chief Engineer for Small Block Engines at General Motors, and Dustin Gardner, the Assistant Chief Engineer for Small Block Engines at GM, with me today. And in this third and final segment, we're going to talk more about a deep dive on the LT6 Z06 engine for the C8. Guys, the engineering team had a creative issue with the engine sound. And I know this engine sounds very Ferrari-like. I know that you weren't happy with the way that the C8 LT2 engine sounded. How did you get around that engine conundrum? As we mentioned earlier, one of the things I think is really unique about Corvette is the way it tantalizes all your senses. So for us, working with Taj and his team, uh, what you see, what you feel, what you hear is so important to the driver experience. The mid-engine, oddly enough, it makes it more difficult to get some of the glorious engine noises inside the passenger compartment, where the C7 didn't have that problem at all with the engine in front of you. But with the engine behind you and the C8 with the LT2 was a little subdued, so there was quite a bit of work by the vehicle and VH engineers to try and bring some of that glorious sound back inside. We did not want to miss the opportunity to do the same thing with the LT6 because the engine makes its own glorious sounds. Flat plane cranks do have a unique characteristic. We've fondly referred to it as a picket fence type of sound, huh. where it's uh, very staccato. 
but there was a lot of work done on changing the frequencies and the tone, uh, the bringing out some more bass tones, more pleasing tones to make it a hair-raising, thrilling experience to the driver when he, he rips off those 8,600 RPM shifts. A really talented team of engineers, Mike Bailey, Roger Barlow, and the H engineers on Taj's team came up with some unique solutions to try and get more of the exhaust sound inside the passenger compartment. And I think they talked quite a bit about the uh, quad tipped center exhaust in our technical immersion deep dive that we had a few weeks ago. But suffice to say, there was an enormous amount of engineering work to get the right sound inside the passenger compartment. So it sounded great when you drove it. Guys, is there a lot of restriction with the LT6? I know that the engine sound, obviously, inside and outside the car is really important. And I know they had to get creative because the tailpipes and the bezels are not connected to the engine itself. Yeah, I'm going to probably defer a little bit to Dustin, but suffice to say that Bailey and Barlow, they came up with this unique parabolic reflector that is not attached directly to the exhaust tip itself. But it's pretty unique in the way it reflects exhaust noise back into the car. So Dustin, I don't know if you know any more details on how that works. I guess from a high level, the two things you're touching on there, one is the restriction level, the touch on that first, right? This has the continuously variable valves in the exhaust. So when you're looking for peak performance and peak power, the restriction of the exhaust system is very low. That on the decoupled exhaust tips that I think they've been referred to as a reverse megaphone in some of the other places we've had it. So by having that decoupled from where the exhaust and the noise source is, works just like that. Those sound waves bounce off the parabolic on the ID of those tips to throw that sound back forward. As Jordan talked at length about so much of this Corvette in general, but what we wanted with the LT6 was that connection to the machine, the specialness of the engine, and getting that auditory sound to the driver, it just adds to the emotional experience that this car is. It really does, and it sounds fantastic. When I heard the car there at the Peterson Automotive Museum, it sounded phenomenal. Guys, let's talk again about the benefits of the flat plane crank, because I know we talked about the oil, the engine keeps cool with the secondary cooler for the engine oil. Talk about the basic benefits of this flat plane crank engine. It's kind of a summary of what we've been touching on, right? So what the flat plane at the end of the day really gives us is the balanced breathing. It gets your firing orders. You go from one bank to the other bank in a very even manner versus where you have a cross plane crank like you do on an LT2, right? You'll have two firing events on one side of the engine at periods in the firing order. That even firing order allows all the breathing, all the tuning we talked about with the intake manifold. An intake like this with volumetric efficiencies as high as ours would not work in a cross-plane configuration just due to that lack of balance. And that helps you on the exhaust as well as the intake with the way the headers are designed and our valve timing, once again, to be able to scavenge then on the exhaust side of the thing. So at the end of the day, it's about breathing, breathing, breathing to enable a naturally aspirated engine to make the power that we do. And I was also really excited to see that the Build Your Own Engine program is coming back with the C8Z06. Can you talk more about the specifics of this restarted program? Dustin's very close to the engine plan. He's gonna, he can talk a bit about it. But the previous generation Corvette engines, we've had build-your-own programs. And at our immersion day, Taj did mention that we're going to bring that back. I don't think the details have been decided yet. And when it's going to happen, I know there's going to be work making that happen. Dustin, perhaps you could talk a little bit about the experience itself for those who aren't familiar with it. 
while we haven't divulged everything around it, it is coming back and it will be, I guess, similar to what it has been in the past where you'll have a dedicated builder to work with you throughout the day to build your engine. And it, to me, it's always neat being there where we make the engines, right? It's right there in Bowling Green, the performance build center, the PBC, as we call it, as window. So while you're there working on an engine, you can look out the window and there's Corvettes going down the assembly lines. It makes it for a very special experience and special place. And I know there's going to be more details and timing and stuff like that coming out at a later date around Build Your Own when we're going to be ready to turn that on. I thought that was so fantastic, but boy, I'll tell you what, I don't want to screw up my engine when I go to build it, especially on a Z06. <laughs> Yeah, the good thing is, is the engine builders that we have down there, they're, they're so skilled and meticulous. They won't let you make a mistake, even though you're doing it. You're, you'll be well supervised. And with the warranty, you get the same warranty regardless. Oh, that's good. That's good so. to know. That's fantastic. <laughs> Guys, I was also amazed to find out that the secret of the Z06 torque comes from a 200-year-old German physicist. Talk about the Heimholtz resonance and how it was used with the LT6. Oh, okay. So we're back to Helmholtz resonance. Okay. So the easiest way to describe this Helmholtz resonance effect is if you can imagine a spring mass system. I don't want to get too technical here, but so you got a, a little bit of a mass on a spring and it's attached to another mass in the spring and the masses are vibrating on these springs back and forth. Air is just like that in a manifold. Air is elastic. And you can envision as the piston's going down the cylinder, ingesting air, you're moving air into the cylinder, the valves close, now the air bounces back and forth. Well, as the air is bouncing back and forth in the manifold, we can harness the tuning of it by changing the volumes and the diameters of the runners and the volumes of the plenum to make sure that it's bouncing at the right time, at the right engine speed, to actually push more air in the cylinder than normally would fit in that cylinder. Kind of like what we talked about earlier, 5.5 liters of displacement, but we can get up to six liters worth of air in it by harnessing the resonances that occur within the intake manifold of the air bouncing around. And that's effectively what Helmholtz resonance is. It's actually the resonance of the air within the manifold. Well, I think you covered it pretty well, Jordan. It summarizes the tuning aspect of the engine. And it's, once again, I'll say it again and again, it's all about breathing and the efficiency at which we get air into the engine is, is really the enabler for the performance numbers that we have. That's great. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking time to be on Corvette today. It's Jordan Lee, the Global Chief Engineer of Small Block Engines at General Motors, along with Dustin Gardner, the Assistant Chief Engineer for Small Block Engines. Guys, thanks again for everything. Our pleasure. It's really a, a fun day talking to you. I appreciate your interest and I hope you got some value out of it. Yeah, thanks again, Steve. This was fun. And as I said in the beginning, it, it's exciting for us to finally be able to openly talk about something we've poured so much passion and time into. So this is an exciting time for us as well. So thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Corvette Today. And please be sure to tell your family, friends, and other Corvette enthusiasts about the Corvette Today podcast. And also thanks to our sponsors, MidAmerica Motorworks. Car show season is here. Get your Corvette ready by shopping over 60,000 Corvette-specific parts and accessories at mamotorworks.com. American Hydrocarbon at AmericanHydrocarbon.com. True Wealth & Company at RetireWithTrue.com. Also, Aerolari Wheels. Get $100 off your purchase with the new promo code CT111 at Aerolari.com. Also, Nova Stretch Bras. Use the code CorvetteToday15 and get 15% off your total purchase at Novastretch.com. You've been listening to Corvette Today with Steve Garrett. If you'd like to contact Steve with any thoughts on the podcast or ideas for guests on Corvette Today, you can email him at stevegarrettdj at gmail.com. That's stevegarrettdj at gmail.com. 
Garrett has two R's and two T's. Or connect with Steve on social media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram using at Steve Garrett DJ. Thanks again for listening to Corvette Today.